Welcome to the weekly warm-up podcast, where we talk about sports, life, and everything in between. We are your hosts, Micah Human and Noah Rankin. On today's podcast, we will be covering the Sugar Bowl reaction, UW 37, Texas 31. We'll be covering the Rose Bowl reaction, Michigan 27, Alabama 21, I believe, or 2821, something like that. And then we'll be talking about our national championship game predictions and what we think. So thank you for tuning in. Here we go. Are you finished, Mr. Slade? No, I'm just getting warmed up. So what a game that was especially as husky fans there just couldn't have been a better night well could have been a little less stressful at the end but (laughs) i think that you know we're obviously very very happy very excited to see how the huskies played and uh you know credit to credit to texas for playing a good game but i think you know at the end of the day we won by six but i think realistically you know we can talk about a little bit more in detail but it, it seemed like we probably won that game by a couple touchdowns obviously we didn't we won by six and that's the way it goes but it what i'm saying is we just dominated the game i felt like we dominated from start to finish there were a couple mistakes texas had so many penalties they just were not disciplined i don't know what was going on with them but you know false starts offsides fumbles seemed like just that type of thing wasn't going their way and so you know but just the, the overall thought was just that it was an absolute game of beauty it was just the one of one it was one of the best games unbiasedly one of the best college football playoff games i think i've seen in the mm-hmm. in the what has it been seven years seven years of college football playoff and so that's just great i mean i just think it was a classic so it, and you know it was just so cool to be a part of this season you know there's only i think what what, what i was saying earlier there's been four teams who've ever been 15 and 0 yeah and in the history of college football and we have the chance to go do that on monday so you know, us and Michigan both have that chance. So yeah, just super, super excited. It was just a really, really good football game watching Michael Penix, you know, watching the receivers O-line and even our defense was just, I mean, played pretty lights out, you know, I mean, we, we'll get into a little bit more of the details, but no, I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what you think we have to add there. Overall reaction is 95% positive, 5% negative. I would say like there was times in this game where like you had already mentioned, I felt like we could be up three scores right now. Like we should be up three scores right now. And, you know, we put up over 530 yards of offense. Our defense, you know, forced more punts than we forced, forced more punts, forced more turnovers than we did giving up touchdowns. It's like, I think overall we dominated from whistle to whistle, you know, take out that last drive by us and the last drive by them where we kind of just fell apart at the end on offense. And, they came back and we had some mental mistakes, but it was one of those games where I never felt worried. I never felt like we weren't in control. It felt like we were in control the entire game. It was our pace. We were the ones that were setting the tone. They were having false starts. They were having offsides. They were holding. They were like, they were committing penalties. Yeah, I think they had over like 100 yards of penalties. We had like under 30. It was something, something wild like that where it just felt like the rhythm they had to match our rhythm and any game that that happens where the other team has to match your tempo and your rhythm and everything i feel like 
you're going to win nine out of those 10 games. Oh, yeah. And I was listening to something and it was talking about how specifically with teams like Washington, where they know the other team knows how potent the offense is. The other team knows how how much points the other offense can put up when the game goes like it went on Monday, where we get a stop on defense to start the game and then we go down the field and score so quickly. The other team knows that they have to respond or else this game might get out of hand. And so immediately Texas was put behind the eight ball there and they were forced to probably throw more than they wanted to. I mean, because looking at it from an unbiased opinion, their running game was working well against our defense. Yeah, they were kind of gashing us with some runs and some screens like their running backs were killing us. And I think us going up early on the first quarter and then again in the third quarter, us going up by two scores, like it kind of forced their hand that they needed to start throwing the ball more, which anytime you can get a, a team off balance and off rhythm and make them be one more one dimensional, you have an advantage. And so overall, like you were saying, Mike, one of the best games from a college football perspective of the year and of the college football playoff history, just from, you know, how clean the game was, how exciting and fireworks the game was like there were big plays on both sides when it comes to like turnovers touchdowns uh close calls things like that and i mean ultimately it came down to the last play of the game which didn't need to come down to the last play of the game definitely shouldn't have come down to the last play of the game but we can get more into that later it was great for the college football casuals though oh 100 100 <laughs> the yeah. college football casuals loved the end of the game nobody wanted to see washington win by more than two scores yeah unless you were a washington football fan well that and like so every washington fan is watching the end of that game at a minute you know whatever it was 50 seconds left right and we are all we're pacing back and forth we're going inside, we're outside, are we watching the game, are we not watching the game? Yeah. And then it's like, but if you're not a Washington fan, it's like, you're like, oh, or a Texas you're, fan, you're, you're like, you're, this is like, yeah. Texas, come on, like, yeah. make it, like, what a game it would have been, like, yeah. the final second of the play, and then it was like, the second to last play, the clock runs out, and they're like, no, just kidding, there's one second one left, more second. one more chance. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, every college football casual got the two best games this weekend. Yeah, and then the overtime Rose Bowl, which we'll get to, but I mean, just what a what a day for college football. Yeah. You know, so I think specific reactions going into like biggest plays, biggest moments of the game mentioned it briefly. I think UW get coming out and getting an early three and out a quick stop on defense kind of set the tone of like, you're not going to be able just to throw the ball all over the place. And then number two, that 77-yard pass to Jalen Polk on the very first drive, just an absolute 40-yard bomb dropped right in the bucket for Jalen Polk. That back-to-back -back series play just set the tone for the entire game. And then obviously, you know, going a little bit farther on into the second quarter, you know, you had the, the Jeremy Bernard fumble right in our end zone or right in our side of the field. They got the ball in like the 25 or something like that, giving them a short field. That was a huge difference in the game because instead of potentially going up 10 points or, or 14 points, if we get that ball and go and score, now Texas gets the ball with 25 yards and, and gets a pretty easy score there. Yeah. And so in the first half, at least, those were my two biggest plays or moments of the game. And I don't know what you think, Mike, about other things, but. Yeah, well, it was just, first of all, I don't know, Quinn Ewers is like, I don't want to, you know, I, I think he had a tough game. I don't think, you know, he didn't have a great game. I think everyone kind of saw that he didn't there were so many times where or maybe not so many but there were several times where he had so much time in the pocket yeah 
like there was one where he he ended up with like a 20 yard 20 yard run you know out of this out of the pocket yeah like he bailed out of the pocket got 20 yards which you know yeah if you're sitting in the pocket for that long that's just what happens mm-hmm. but i don't understand like he just could not connect no he could not they, like their passing game like he just could not connect obviously there were a few key plays like the touchdown you know towards the end of the game to ad mitchell yeah and you know there were some others but i just credit to texas run game but their pass game was just like rough and you like you see sark on the sideline and he's just like he looks pissed. he's crunched over he's confused yeah. he doesn't understand like you know the whole game you're looking at him and he's like i think he's a great play caller but yeah. it just the things weren't working and our defense like Raylan trice yeah two sacks and another tackle for loss fumble recovery you know fumble fumble. recovery yeah, like just had an insane game, and you know our DBs really stepped up. I think the reason why Quinn Ewers wasn't able to make big plays was like we we, we had him covered. Yeah, you know. And talking more on that of just, I mean, going throughout all season, we talked about it previously of just everyone kind of disrespecting UW's defense because they have given up points to a lot of teams. Yeah, and that's true. We have given up a ton of points. I think watching this game, looking at just going through the possessions for Texas. I mean, you have a punt, touchdown, punt, punt, that punt, that that third or fourth possession, they punted, and then that's when we fumbled on our 20-yard line. So they only had to go 22 yards, so they got a quick touchdown out of that. Right. But their three of their first four possessions were punts. Yeah. And then, you know, we get the ball back, we go for it, we don't get it, and then our defense forces a punt. So – four out of their first five possessions we forced them to hunt the ball if you take out that short field 20 yard touchdown that they got because of our turnover that was the first half like yeah we stymied them i think quinn years only had like 95 yards passing in the first half yeah i mean and he was averaging 300 something yards a game and then you know the second half they had two fumbles and a punt in the third quarter like obviously that's just reflective of our defense just one being technically sound going for the ball you know gang tackling causing those two fumbles but then also confusing Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian to a point where like you were saying Micah like they just looked kind of confused for three quarters of that game yeah and it really wasn't till the fourth quarter once like UW kind of let their foot up off the gas pedal a little bit where all of a sudden, I think going into the fourth quarter, Quinn Ewers had like 175 yard pa- yards passing. Yeah. And it's like, and then on the last two drives, he got right. 150 two, yards. Yeah, he had those exactly. two big, really long plays. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you, there's no hypotheticals there. And there's no like, oh, well, only because of this. Like, yeah, he ended up with over 300 yards passing. But going into the fourth quarter, he had under 200 yards. He had no touchdowns. We made their prolific offense, an offense that ran through the Big 12 and was putting on points on everybody we held them to 20 points in the or through the first three quarters it was like one of those things where it was our defense just doesn't give enough credit like yeah for, it's like we're not you know we're not georgia's we're not, defense <laughs> the last two years but yeah. no one is and no one ever has been yeah and so i think that there's a little bit of like it, to me there's a little bit of this media or you know whatever you want to call it where it's like well you know if you don't give up if you give up more than 14 points a game, like your defense isn't elite. And it's like, well, that's not really necessarily true. If your defense, like we, the thing is, is if you hold your, if, if your defense holds the opposing team to less points than you score, <laughs> then you win the football game. Yeah. 
And I think that there is a little bit of not good enough or not good enough, not good enough to win or not yeah. good enough to be elite, not good enough to be a national champion. And it's like, well, for 13 games and now 14 games, our defense gave up less points than our offense scored. Yeah. And thus we're 14 and up. Thus, exactly. You know? And so it's like, and I don't mean to say it's like, we know that our defense isn't the best defense in the country. Yeah. Like, 100%. and it's probably not, a, it may not even be a top 10 defense. I mean, maybe, but yeah. you know, it's hard to, it's hard to just, it's a hard measurable thing to do. And then also it's like the rest of the country, first of all, doesn't walk, watch the Pac-12 other than they love to watch Deion Sanders this year for some reason. They love to watch Oregon and they love to watch USC. Yeah. Whatever. That's a whole different podcast probably. But the thing is, is like the Pac-12 had the best offenses in the country. Yeah. And we played all of them mm -hmm. and we won. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. It was just a good, you know, we played good enough. Texas's yeah. offense was supposed to be electric, supposed to be great. And we pretty much shut them down. The other thing I want to say that a couple key things, I don't think DeBoer makes a lot of mistakes and we've talked about it before. Yeah. There were a few mistakes in this game. Yeah. There were a couple things that I, that I, that I did not love. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I would tend to agree. And a last note before we switch topics to DeBoer about our defenses, I like to look at what has said offense scored against other teams in terms of like rating how our defense did, right? And so Texas's last few games, they scored 49 against Oklahoma State, 57 against Texas Tech, 26, 29, 33, 35, 40, 34, 38. Like they were scoring high 30s, low 40s in a lot of these games. And it's like our for our defense to only give up 31 points and they had an entire, Texas had an entire month to prepare for our defense, right? Just like our offense had an entire month to prepare for Texas's defense. So that's just one aspect of like, I enjoy looking at that. And I think we held Texas's offense below their average of points. And so like that in and of itself is a win in my book. Yeah. Okay. And so the back to what you're talking about with the Kalen DeBoer, some of those calls. And I don't know with Kalen DeBoer being a head coach and with Ryan Grubb being the offensive coordinator, obviously Grubb is more in the thick of exactly what plays are being called at what time i don't know how much say kaylin DeBoer has over what type of plays we run in well, the I moment it's like he has the final call right i think so yeah because i mean they're all in the headset and so you have grub you have DeBoer, and you have Penix. or i guess you don't have a headset with Penix. you have those two and then they're talking about the play calls and so maybe how I imagine it going is it's, you know, Grubb saying, hey, I want to run a outside zone here or I want to run an outside run here. And, and Kalen's like, yep, sounds good. And then Grubb gives the actual play call of what it is. Right. And or if it's like, hey, I want to do a, you know, a deep pass to uh, to J Mac here. And it's like, yep, go for it. So the, the, the things in question that that we talked about off air and the things that we talked texted about in the middle of the game first being. In the second half, I think, or second quarter, when we went for it on fourth down. Second quarter was what? We were on the 25? I want to say we were on like the 35. So it would have been like a 50-yard field goal or something like that. Um, I could be wrong. Fact check me on that one. Yeah. Um, but it was, so it was third and one. We ran in, or it was third and two. We did an inside handoff to Dylan Johnson, got stuff. So and we so, were at the Texas 14, bro. We were at the Texas 14 and didn't yeah. kick. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's tough. That's tough. So that, but then so I don't, I don't mind us going for it. Like obviously all year, Kalen DeBoer has been a little bit more conservative. He's usually been the take the points guy. Well, but look at this. So look, so first and 10 at the Texas 23, Dylan, Dylan Johnson, six yards, six yard run, second and four. Yep. 
at the 17, Dylan Johnson run for three yards. Yep. Third and one at the Texas 14. No, no gain. No gain. Dylan Johnson run for no gain on fourth down. Yeah. So you run the exact same play four times. I mean, not the exact same play, but basically four times and, you know, three times it doesn't work. And then you're like, oh, well, let's just do it again. Yeah. And I think maybe it'll work. Yeah. And I think the, the most frustrating part in my mind about that fourth down call is not that we necessarily went for it. It was the fact that we did the wildcat play call. Yeah, so like, I would have been I would have been fine. I would have been more fine if we had Penix back there and then he just handed the ball off to Dylan Johnson. He got stuff. Well, and but it's the, like Penix is slicing. Yeah, like absolutely dominating. And then you're going to take him out of the game. But even just having him in the backfield makes the defense think, OK, maybe there's going to be a pass here. So I have to respect that there might be a pass and I can't just all out send eight guys into the box. Yeah. Whereas once we once they see that we're doing the wildcat, 95 percent of the time we're running straight up the gut so they can just kind of take a gamble and just send everybody. Right. So that was the frustrating part. It's like put Penix in his normal position, you know, taking the snap under center or in shotgun yeah. and then run the ball because then at least you're giving the defense a look of like maybe we're going to throw. Yeah. And they have to respect that. But the fact that we didn't, it was like, what are we doing? And obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. If he had gotten that first down, we wouldn't be talking about it. Well, but maybe. Maybe. Like, or just kick the field goal. Like, or kick the field take goal. Take the three points. Yeah. You know, get Grady Gross warmed up. He hadn't, you know. All he'd been doing is extra points at that point. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. just, you know, scoot you up 17-14. Yep. And then, you know, they're going to get the ball on the on the 25 30 or whatever it is yep. and then we and then we help you know so anyway that was the first questionable yeah questionable decision i think the, the next questionable decision just was, overall first half i felt like we ran too much oh yeah but percent i think but also we we're trying to control the clock a little bit we wanted to we wanted to open up the, the deep threat which yep. worked so which, which was working all game 100 percent. i understand the the philosophy of establishing the run to open up the pass I just think it was one of those things where literally everything was working in the passing game where Michael Penix Jr. could throw the ball wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted, to whomever he wanted at any point in the game. Yeah. And Texas wasn't doing anything to stop. It. And so that was where it was a little frustrating in the first half of like, guys, let's keep throwing the ball and let's not run the ball. Especially, I mean, Dylan Johnson's a warrior. The dude will run or the if we if if Grubb told him that, you know, we needed one yard and he had two broken feet, he'd be like, yep, coach, I got you. Like, I know, he's been playing injured for two games. Yeah, so not to, like, disqualify or discredit Dylan Johnson whatsoever because he's been a beast, but it's one of those things where it's like you have the hot hand of Michael Penix that anything he touches was turning to gold. Yeah. Like, why in the first half? I think the first half we ran, like, 21 times. Yeah. And it was we only passed, like, 15. And it was like, reverse those numbers and give us a majority pass and we'd be... A little bit we'd probably be up more but second quarter or the second half at the end of the game is kind of where we also saw a few potential mistakes from that we're not used to seeing from Kalen DeBoer's coaching style and I don't know if you want to touch on that Mike of the last few drives well I think the biggest thing is like I mean a it was our last offensive drive we get the ball well so Texas kicks a field goal yeah right so they have a, they have a great drive they kick a field goal because you say oh let's get the touchdown later yep which I think was a good call. And then... Kept him alive in the game. And then we get the ball on the... Whatever it was. They do an onside kick. They do an onside kick. Okay. So we get the ball on the 44. And then it's like... There's a, there's a minute nine. Why are we not just kneeling it? Maybe maybe you do one run attempt. See if something breaks. Yeah. But why not just kneel it three times and then punt it? Yeah. Like I truly was confused. And then it's like... Obviously, like you said earlier. Hindsight 2020. 
Dylan Johnson gets hurt, which is just A, he's already kind of hurt, but B, like, we need Dylan Johnson. Yep. And every big game that we've won, he's been a major factor. Yep. So why not just put your second string running back in if that's really what you want to do? And B, it's like, Dylan Johnson, get off the field, (laughs) which, like, you can't. You can't do that. Like, yeah. it, like injuries suck, but it's like, that was so frustrating. Yeah. When we could have just kneeled it three times and then punted it and they would have had the ball with, I think it would have been seconds. 15 seconds yeah. rather than yeah. 50. <laughs> yeah. And I so th- then they would have time, they would have had time to run two plays, maybe three plays. Yeah. And I think that's where to touch on that, like we've been talking about hindsight, but you can go back. We were virtually in the exact same position against Oregon. And where they had a timeout or they had two timeouts, we had about two minutes left. We could run the clock, not all the way to zero, but we could run it under 30 seconds. And in that game, we didn't hand it off. You know, we did a pitch to Dylan Johnson and he, but that was even longer. Like he, it was third and 11 then. And he got us like 15, 20 yards. And so I think that was kind of in the back of our coach's mind of like, Hey, we were literally just in the same position where a first down wins us this game. If we don't get a first down, we need to punt. So I think in their playing the devil's advocate, I think in their mind, it was like, we've done this before. We know how to win this game. We just need five yards from Dylan Johnson. So I think that was going into their, their, their mindset of not so much. They were trying to win the game, not trying to not lose it. You know, the difference there. And I don't know which, obviously we won the game, so it doesn't matter. But that is where, as a UW fan, you were talking about it, Micah, like that is where my mind started to unravel a little bit because I knew the second he didn't get up, I was like, this screws everything up because now they have to call an injury timeout and that forces us to call a timeout because they're going to stop the clock. And if that happens, they're going to have like 45 seconds instead of 15 seconds. And then we have to punt now because it's fourth and five. We're not going to go for it on fourth and five. Yeah. So like that just started the unraveling of like everyone being like, well, why is the clock stopping? Like it was our injured player. It's like, that's not the rule. The rule is if there's an injured player, the clock stops no matter what. Right. And so. Yes. And the funny thing is, I was thinking about it like today, I believe it was like he didn't even need to get to the sidelines. All he needed. <laughs> and again, this is just stupid fan talk. Like the dude yeah. was writhing in pain. Obviously, he was injured. But all that he needed to do was stand up for 30 seconds and act OK. Yeah. Like because he could have just stood in the huddle like he didn't need to get off the field for 30 more seconds. For 30 more seconds. He just needed to stand up and act like he wasn't injured to let us drain the play clock down. And then once the play clock went down and it was like 20 seconds left on the clock, then we would have called a timeout on fourth down and then he could get like, so like, obviously this, yeah, those are the things where it's like, we have to remind ourselves that these are like 22 year olds yes, in the biggest moment of their life. And they're not thinking and they're about to like win the sugar bowl. Yeah. And so how do you balance all that at once? And so he, he's out there thinking, oh my gosh, I just broke my foot. Like yeah. he's right. He's probably writhing in pain, like yeah. not even thinking about the situation yeah. where like us, us as fans were like screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like get up type of thing. And, and obviously, like the chances of something like this happening again is very slim. But I think I wonder, you know, like is Kalen DeBoer or is, you know, Ryan Greb, are they going to like instill into their players? If we ever get in this scenario again and you're like potentially hurt, I need you to suck it up for 30 seconds and act OK. Right. I need you to I need you to just gritty grit it out. Yeah, because that almost lost us the game. That one play because of an of an injury to one of our players, which is a dumb rule, but it's yeah. it's the rules that one play literally almost cost us the game. And so it's one of those things where everything can be a coachable coachable moment in the future. And yeah. so that might be something in the future of it's like, hey guys, if we're under a minute to play or under two minutes to play and we're trying to bleed the clock, if you ever get injured as as bad as it may, yeah. may feel like 
try to limp off the field. Well, we're, the, right? we're the opposite of Oregon, right? Yeah, exactly. The opposite <laughs> of Oregon. Don't just stay on the ground and act like you just blew out your ACL when yeah. it was just a cramp. Yeah, obviously, we're a bunch of dummies talking on a podcast about yeah. hypothetical situations in the future. Like these are guys putting their bodies on the line, putting the, the seasons on the line, trying to do this. Speaking of Kalen DeBoer's decisions and him being normally surefire, normally making all the right calls, one other thing that I was that ended up also being a huge difference in the game was the drive prior where we were up six. We had just thrown a big like 40 yard pass to Rome down the sidelines and we were inside. Yeah, which, by the way, Rome's Rome's two big play catches. I didn't even there was not a, the, the one that was in the middle and then the one that was on the sideline. Yeah. They were both like what? They were 20 plus yard passes. Both of them were like 40, 40 plus yard plus. passes. And yeah. it's like how does he catch those balls? Yeah, he it's he, like his hands have a magnet for the football. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, we've obviously seen him make incredible catches all year. Yeah. But those two catches, I was, had, my mind was blown. The defenders were draped all over him. It, it wasn't like he was wide open. It was like, no, he was not wide. I mean, and, they would, he was being covered perfectly. Yeah. And the ball was just placed right into his hands. It was insane. Yeah. Insane. Anyway. Yeah. So back to it. He had just made a, like a 30, 40 yard catch to get us down to the 10 yard line. So it was first and goal from the 10. And similar to like other parts of it, it was like, I think there was like four minutes raining. We're up six. So a field goal puts us up nine, but obviously you want to get a touchdown here. And we ran it twice. On the second time we ran it, we lost some yards. So I think it was third and goal from like the 11 or something like that. And Texas took their first time out. So Texas just wasted their first time out to stop the clock. I think it was like under three minutes now. Right. And it's third and 11 and we're on the 11. So we need all 11 yards to get into the end zone. And the play call was like a rollout Michael Penix to the short side or long side of the field. And it's one of those things where obviously you're trying to score a touchdown to make the lead larger. So I 100% understand the play call, but us, but him throwing that ball away because there was nothing there, let Texas not call their second timeout, which fast forward two minutes in the game on that same series that Dylan Johnson got hurt. If Texas only had one timeout and not two, then we could have done exactly what you said, Michael. We could have just kneeled it three times and the game actually would have been over, right? Yeah. Because they would not have been able to call their sec- their third and final timeout to stop the clock. Exactly. They would have only had one. So that was also a questionable call of like, if it was third and five or third, even like third and seven or, or six, like I, I guess I understand. We kicked the field goal anyways, didn't we? Yes, we kicked the field goal anyways. But I would understand us like, being a little bit more aggressive because it's, you know, it's a shorter yardage to game, but it was third and like 11 we needed. Plus, you know, it's Michael Penix runs it out of shotgun. So he's already five yards back. So it was practically like a 20 yard pass. Yeah. It wasn't a short thing that we needed. So that was a little confusing and a little questionable. Cause it's like, if we just run a outside zone or if we run an outside running back play, or if we run like a wide receiver screen or something that's like gives us maybe a chance to score a touchdown. And if not, we stay in bounds and we kick the field goal. Yeah. Or even panics like, Oh, there's nothing open. I'm going to run a couple yards and and slide. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, obviously in his mind, he's trying to preserve his kicker and not let any more yards on the field goal. So I totally get what he's doing, but it's like from a coaching perspective, if you're not going to score, then you got to stay in bounds and, and bleed the clock. Yeah. So that was huge because that ended up leading to the especially because we we're like on a sh- on a short pass when we need it it's like a ninety percent hit rate yeah it's like or just do a short screen or something yeah so that was frustrating because that play call almost also lost us the game because they had an extra timeout when they shouldn't have had an extra timeout if we had just ran the play clock ran the clock down so that was frustrating all in all though 
all in all, the dogs won. It was great. And I don't have a lot to complain. There's yeah, we're 100% nitpicking because we can. <laughs> um, so to, to wrap up this segment on the sugar bowl and on the dogs, what were your personal favorite moments of the game or moment of the game? And then who is your favorite player? I mean, I think that honestly, the first pass to Jalen Polk, the 77 yard bomb yeah. on our first drive. I think that was just like that moment. I was like, okay, <laughs> like our <laughs> offense is going to, is going to do it. We're back. You know? Yeah. Like Penix is on the boys are buzzing. Yep. Like we're going to get it done. And so I think that honestly was like, obviously a couple of Rome's catches, the J Mac touchdown. Yep. Um, the, I, honestly the, the Penix draws. Yeah. Those 10, those 10 yard runs are just things that we haven't seen yeah. that I just loved. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think that that first pass was just like, it was like, okay, let's go. And right after we sh- we stopped him, yep. you know, right after, right after we stopped Texas, made him punt. So that was just like, it was a great way to set set the tone. Yeah, and who's your favorite player? I mean, I, I think it's just it's got to be Penix. Yeah, I think for me it was like, we've loved to watch him. We've loved to watch all these players um, on the team, but that was just. That was the best game I've ever seen him play. Yeah. And it was just like, he was so calm. He was so collected. And he was just having fun. Yeah. He was just smiling. I mean, he was just dancing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I would say all those plays that you mentioned were amazing plays. Things that, like, I think were game-changing plays. I think the combination, the two combination of plays that were the biggest were the Jalen Polk's touchdown to start the second half i believe that was his touchdown um or the words like kind of a tip drill and yeah he had to grab that and the tip the tip touchdown so dialed um and then i was double checking to make sure it wasn't the j mac oh no it actually was the j mac touchdown i lied so to start this to start the second half we go down the field we score and michael Penix throws yeah like a hundred mile an hour fastball right down the middle to j mac and he <laughs> catches it the one that might right between two guys right in between two defenders and and then the very next play on defense is when we got the strip or not, or yeah, got the strip on one of their running backs and we got the ball back. And those back-to-back plays to start the second half was pretty much, at least in my mind, the us being like, we got this game. This game is, we are in control. Mm-hmm. Like the first half wasn't just a fluke. We went down the field, Michael Penix threw a dot, we scored a touchdown and then our defense responds and we get a, an immediate stop, an immediate uh, red zone opportunity so those two back-to-back plays i think were the biggest for me and then favorite player of the game michael you already took michael Penix, so i'll do something different i would just say graylin trice was a game wrecker on defense oh my gosh like so awesome he was uncoverable and for so much talk about the texas defense and their defensive line and how good they were Braylon trice by himself outperformed both those dudes and he had two sacks another tackle for loss he had a a fumble forced that we I was just talking about. And then actually later in the game on kind of a crazy play, Texas running back was running on like a 40 yard screen and then like gets hit by his own guy, fumbles the ball. And there's a big scrum and Braylon like dives into the pile at the very end because he sees the ball and ends up recovering the ball. <laughs> like, so he had, I didn't even think it was, a, did you think it was a fumble? I, when I watched it, I was like, there's no way that was a fumble. Yeah. When you, wa- when you watched it, like initially, yeah, it looked like we were just ripping at the ball yeah. on the ground. And I was yeah. like, there's no way. But then they show the replay and it's like, wow, it's that, clearly that ball was out and the guy was running for it. Yeah. yeah. And so I think he 
was the he was so hungry he was he was running around like his hair was on fire yeah. like he couldn't be blocked by just one dude on on their defensive line like they had to chip him they had to double team him in order to keep him out of the backfield like he was obviously the two sacks the two fumbles like but then he was also just in in Quinn Ewers grill for yeah. most of the game and I yeah. think that disrupted a lot of his a lot of Ewers timing and rhythm and you know I without him I don't we don't win that game and so I think it was it was kind of poetic justice because last year when we played in the Alamo Bowl against Texas, it was Michael Penix who threw for like over 300 yards and two touchdowns. And it was Braylon Trice who had two sacks and they were both the yeah. offensive MVP and the defensive MVP last year. And then this year it's like carbon copy, yeah. but they both had an even better game than last year. Yeah. So I mean, it was just cool to see two, two of our best players have the best game, their best their games of their careers. Yeah. yeah. And it's like Braylon, you know, the thing about Braylon is like we had a lot of expectations on him coming into the season. I think he was, you know, I don't, I don't think he had a disappointing season at all. I think he had a great season, but probably he probably I would, I would say he got less sacks than he probably wanted to. Yeah, totally. You know, or less tackles for loss. But this game was just it was like, I'm here. I am who I am. And yeah, like I'm going to I'm going to make plays. Yeah. And he did. And I think yeah. uh, knowing the type of guy that he is and like the type <laughs> of season that he started, I similar to what you were saying, Micah, the pressure was on based off of the year that he had last year. And so I think he kind of had a slower start to the year than what the public would think, oh, a top defensive end or edge rusher should have. And I think it kind of took, you know, a little bit of a, I, would, I don't want to say attitude change because it wasn't an attitude, but a little perspective change of like, I can affect the, I can affect the game in other ways than just filling the stat, the stat you know, yeah. sheet. Totally. And so, and then by doing that, naturally the sacks came, the tackle for losses came, like he was affecting the game as the year went on. And then it all culminated into biggest stage, brightest lights, everybody in the country is watching and our two best, our best player on offense and our best player on defense both showed up. Yeah. And so I think that was cool. And that was, well, that's what you got to do to win, to win championships. Yeah. So. Your best players have to show up. All right. So enough of the jibber jabber enough on of, the dogs. Enough of the dogs. Obviously. Actually, there's never enough. There's never enough. We can talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'll kind of go transition it. into the Rose Bowl. So I watched the first two quarters and then I watched the fourth quarter. So I watched a decent amount of the game. Yeah. What were your overall reactions to that game? O overall, it was a pretty good game. Like, I'd say the first half wasn't. I wouldn't say boring, but it was it was pretty uneventful. I think it was I mean, what was it? Fourteen to what was the score a half? I can't remember. It was ten thirteen ten at half. Thirteen ten and a half. And then so. neither team scored in the sec in the third quarter. Yeah. So, so going into the th fourth quarter, it was still 13, thirteen to 10. ten. Yeah. So not a lot of scoring. Some really good defensive play. There's I, I got a couple I got a couple notes. One, Jalen Milrow. Well, terrible game by Jalen Milrow. Yeah. That being said, I mean, so me and Noah both like thought Alabama was going to easily, not easily win this game, but we both kind of had Alabama winning this game. But a major component that we just didn't factor into the to the algorithm for the week was Alabama's offensive line. <laughs> they were terrible. Major problem. Their yeah. center had. They were. I mean, it. Just if you watch it, it was just like it was like laugh. It was like Jalen Milrow. Yeah, he had a terrible game. But he's also but running the, for his the life. Dude was running for his life every yeah. play. Like yeah. he had absolutely no time. Yeah. And it, also he like everyone says like he is electric on his feet. Yeah. I mean, he's explosive. Yeah. But and also like not to get sidetracked, but it also makes me wonder like and this is a dumb thing for me to say. I know it's going to be dumb for me to say, but like was Georgia even that good in terms of like Georgia for the last two years had the best defense. Obviously this year their defense wasn't that as good, but it's like Jaden Milrow looked 
or Jalen Milrow looked amazing against Georgia. Yeah. And Michigan made that offensive line look like a high school team. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is the exact same offensive line that played against Georgia and Georgia was trying to win the SEC. Like right. how was how there was a huge discrepancy and it seemed like every other play Jalen Milrow was running for his life, but against in the SEC championship game, it wasn't. So I, I just say that to say like for all the Georgia fans out there that are like wondering why they didn't make it to the playoff, well, maybe your team just wasn't as good as you think it is. Right. Yeah. Anyways, back to this game. Yeah. The other thing purely, you know, I think we can just start position by position and kind of give our notes. JJ McCarthy, also not a great game, had some very important moments yep that it, like so the last drive and then in overtime he balled out yeah so i will give him that but for three quarters of the game he also looked like off balance he was out of rhythm he was throwing balls like 110 miles an hour from two feet away yeah jj mccarthy kind of a problem not not an elite quarterback i wouldn't say blake Corum was the reason that they won that game yeah so shout out blake Corum, short guy undersized but very electric very good and yep. also michigan's o-line very good yep. michigan's defense very good yeah it's a great team yeah honestly it's the two best teams in the country yeah and i do think that's true i think there's been you know last year it was like oh tcu there's no re like why is tcu in the championship and obviously they shouldn't have been yeah but this year I do think it's the two best teams and I'm glad Michigan won, even though, you know, there's a lot of controversy on their season, but I, I generally like Harbaugh. I think he's a good guy for the most part and weird guy. Yeah. I think Michigan's what I, I, I just respect Michigan. I think they're a very disciplined team. I think that they play very physically. They got it done. They beat Saban. Yeah. I think my notes were similar to yours in that neither of these teams, at least in the first three quarters, it just kind of seemed like they were in like a boxing match and they were just kind of feeling each other out. They Nobody was really taking big punches. It was kind of just like they were walking around the ring, just trying to feel the other team out. And then finally it was like fourth quarter hit and now they needed to make plays and then players started to make plays. I don't think either of these teams looked their best. I think both these teams kind of played sloppy. Like there was a lot of turnovers on Michigan's side. Bama had some costly mistakes as well, especially I think the biggest moment of that game was when Bama went up four points or maybe seven points, and then they got a three and out for Michigan, and then Jalen Mil Milrose fumbles on the next drive, like as they're on the 50-yard line. Like that was the turning point in the game because Bama was had started to finally like get their offense going to score, like getting in the in the end zone for the first time in a while, and then he fumbles on the next drive, giving Michigan all the momentum back. But anyways, I don't, there isn't, any really thing about this game that like screamed like oh wow i'm watching two amazing teams i mean the defense the defense on both sides were well were solid. i wouldn't even say alabama's defense was i don't think michigan's offense is that good and no. we've been saying that for the whole for, season yeah i mean they played a ton of cupcake teams and scored a ton of points well, yeah, they played in the so, big 10 where majority of the big 10 teams have good defenses and terrible offenses and so you can win a lot of games in the Big Ten by just having a good defense. Yeah. And you, well, it's like, you don't need a prolific offense to win. Yeah. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland are all pretty bad teams. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> So you, you like, look at, and I mean, looking at that game, I think it was, I think that I definitely think the better team won in terms of Michigan had the better defense. Michigan had 
better offensive line. Michigan had the better running back. The only thing that Alabama had that was better than Michigan was probably better better wide receivers and better quarterback. Yeah. But like Micah said, the Mich- the Alabama offensive line didn't give Jalen Milrow any time at all to actually find his guys downfield. And that was the difference in the game because yeah. they couldn't put up any points. No on the game. And so it was honestly a pretty sloppy first half. I mean, there was only 23 total points scored in the first half. And and again, like we said, no points in the third quarter. So I think it was a lot of just like teams not wanting to make a mistake and teams kind of playing a little bit more conservatively. And obviously Michigan's biggest strength is their run game. And so they, that's kind of how they win games. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of like goes or filters into like our next topic micah of like our yeah, just discussing the national discussion of the national championship and what we think and like what we think the first key- of all you're going yeah so it's gonna be sweet let's ride it's gonna be night of what do you life. plan so you're going to flying into austin on friday night we'll be in austin on saturday and sunday and then we're driving up to houston sun- monday morning we'll be oh, in- monday morning yep and then we'll be in houston for all day monday stay the night there and we'll come back to Austin Tuesday, but for the flight, for the flight, yeah, gotcha. flying in and out of Austin because from what time's the game? Texas time is that? Uh, four, I think it's thirty years. So is that six, is it only 30, an hour or two it's hours? Two hours. So it's, I think it's six thirty Texas <laughs> time. Yeah, probably we'll start at like six forty-five or six fifty because it always starts yeah way too late. But it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be electric. It's gonna be insane. I think we're like in the end zone. Uh, so I think we're like kind of the end zone seats. I think yeah, I think we're kind of like where they put the student section or like where mm-hmm. they put the players, family, friends, and family at UW, where it's like you're behind the behind the field goal. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't really matter where the seats are. I think it's gonna be like just <laughs> it's it's gonna be cool. Fain to be there. Yeah. And I'm so excited. It's gonna be one of those things where it's like. Obviously, I think we're going to win the game. I think we're going to compete. But, like, if there was ever a time to lose, like, it, it would be in the national championship. And, like, that would be devastating. But, like, I'm just going to be yeah ecstatic to be there and to, be, to witness. I mean, it's so cool to be there. The end, the end of this era of Michael Penix and Rome and Braylon and yeah. all those guys. And yeah. So, anyways, it's, it's just, it's, it's cool to, like, just acknowledge the moment that we have yeah, and it's like, Done. you can't be too... It's like, I think we're going to win the game. I do. I do think we're going to win the game, and we can talk about that. But like you said, I, I like what you said, where it's like, even if we don't win, as long, like, as, long as we don't get smashed. Yeah. I, I mean, even if like, even <laughs> we get smashed, it's like, we just went 14-0. We beat Oregon two times. We beat, we beat Texas. Probably the the best the Pac-12 has looked in yeah, it was the 15 best, years. Yeah, the best the Pac-12 was. Yeah, totally. And so it's like, we went and, the gauntlet on that, and then we beat... a big 12 texas team that yeah. everyone thought was the new which is now an sec team now an sec team yeah. and it's like we can hang our hats you know yeah on, yeah and and so yeah it's just so cool and i think for michigan fans it's the same it's like it's similar yeah they're, it's not like they hit it they haven't made it to a natty yet in the college football playoff era um they haven't even won a playoff game neither have we yeah so both of our first playoff wins like we haven't been here Neither of us have been close to a natty in a long time. Yeah. So it's just really, it's a special game. And I think like, I think Michigan fans are probably going to be pretty cool. I think it's going to be just a great environment. Yeah. And I think regardless of the outcome, this is just such a, it's a cool, cool deal. So yeah, we're going to be in the game a little bit. I guess I'll just, I'll start, you know, and I don't know what you think, but to me, it's like our offense is clearly way better than their offense. Yep. And I their defense, I think, is clearly better than our defense. Yep. So it will come down to can Michigan score enough points? And I think that, honestly, I do think they're going to score some points. 
because our run defense is not great. If I was DeBoer and company, if I was the Huskies preparing, I probably would be putting eight in the box. I would be 11 in the box. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like the pass threat of JJ McCarthy isn't that great. I think we have really good outside pressure with Braylon Trice and ZTF. And so if we can plug the middle to avoid big breakout inside runs, yep. I, I do think we'll be okay. But they're very good at running the ball. Yep. And so... This is the best offensive line we'll, we'll have seen. So I think that it... I think to me that's a major key for Michigan is can they run the ball well? And then I think our offense is like, can Penix... I mean, can we do what we did, you know, two days ago? Yep. And if we can, which we've pretty much been doing all season, like even in the games that we won barely yeah like we still scored a lot of points yeah everyone's like oh they struggled in the stanford game they struggled in the usc game it's like well we scored 52 points against usc <laughs> yeah and we scored like what 42 against stanford against stanford yeah or whatever so it's like Too even even yeah. in tough games like we will score a lot of points like we will score at least 28 points i think probably at least 30 and i think michigan will score at least 26 27 points and it's going to be another close game because it has to be <laughs> yeah it's just the it's fitting just the way, way to, it fitting way to end the season for the dogs it's going to be a nail biter down to the last possession and like you were saying micah we they have the clearly better defense we have the clearly better offense so it's going to be it's going to come down to which quote unquote worse side of the ball can can whose weakness whose weakness can, can step up can step up because it's like is our defense going to be able to stop their running and I was talking about it with a buddy earlier the nice thing about going up against a team that their strength is running the ball is that one tackle for loss or one like only giving up one or two yards feels like a huge accomplishment because it's like yeah. we know that they want to run the ball so if we get them in a second and 11 or even a second and nine and then they run it again and get three yards and now it's third and six right or third and seven it's like that feels for a team that doesn't like to pass as much it seems like it's third and 13 for them yeah so it's like that is the one nice thing about facing a run first defense the one not nice thing about it is that they're going to take up if we can't consistently stop them they're going to take up a lot of time off the clock and that is a big worry of of mine of like of our offense getting a little slower stagnant because we're not on the field as much yeah and i mean that's going to be their keys keeping us off the field yep yeah so you think they're running offense they're going to run even more yeah so (laughs) how can we keep the ball in our hands and not in their hands totally and so they're going to go for really long you know five six minute seven minute drives yeah and it's going to feel a lot like the Oregon State game felt probably. Oh my gosh, brutal game. Minus the the pissing rain <laughs> and the sideways sideways wind. Yeah. But it's going to feel a lot like that where we go spurts where we don't see the ball for 7-8 minutes because their team just likes to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like if that's that's their MO, that's what they're going to do. Like personally, like if we're going to lose this game, I would much rather lose this game because JJ McCarthy pl- made plays with his arm. I don't want to lose this game because we gave up, you know, 250 yards of rushing off like defense. Main way of saying I want to force them to beat us a different way than just running the ball. Yeah, totally. Because then that then that would make it easier to be like, hey, you know what? We stopped their best strength and then their quarterback just had an amazing game. Yeah. Which if they're going to beat us, maybe that happens. But if we're going to win, it's going to be because our defense steps up and makes some big stops and our offense looks like it has all year. And and last thing I'll say about like our offense is this is easily the best offense that Michigan has played all year. Oh, and one hundred percent, like it's not even close. Not even close. And I was looking at the box score. I was like, oh, probably Ohio State was the best offense Michigan played all year. I think 
Marvin Harrison Jr. had like five catches for 120 something yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And so it's like if and he's some people's best wide receiver in the country, like, but he has not Michael Penix throwing him the ball. He had a far worse quarterback throwing him the ball. Like if Marvin Harrison Jr. can do that on the road at Michigan with a bad quarterback, that gives me some hope that Michael Penix and our receivers can get open and make plays against this defense. Yeah. And we said it before, we'll say it again. With all three of our receivers healthy, with Jack Westover healthy, there is no way that they're going to be able to cover all four of those guys at one time. No. And so one of them is going to be open or one of them is going to be one-on-one. And when, and when one of them is one-on-one, it's like we have a 75% chance they're going to catch the ball. At least. Because like that's just what it's been like all year. They just they, catch it. They well, make... Because Penix just puts it there, you know? Yeah. So I just think our offense is so tough to scheme against. And it's an offense that they've never played against this year. And it's going to be their biggest challenge. And so... Well, I mean, it's like just... Just this, like I'm looking at the stats, and it's like Michigan has a total of three thousand passing yards. Yeah, we have I think forty six hundred. Yep. Michigan has a total of two thousand two hundred rushing yards. We probably have. Like, I think we have probably have like seventeen hundred. I would guess. Yeah, but their leading rusher, Blake Quorum, has eleven hundred yards, and I think Don Johnson has it's like twelve twelve hundred. Yeah, and that's like our offense is just so much more dominant. Yep. Than there, so, and I mean their defense is good. They have a stacked defensive line. They've got some good DBs that have shut down good receivers in the past. But I just go back to like what I was saying. Like they faced Marvin Harrison Jr., the best wide receiver in college football. And now they get to face Roma Dunze, one of, if not the best wide receiver in college football. And they'll not just have to cover him, but they'll also have to cover Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and Jack Westover. That's going to be a near impossible task. Something that no defense has really done this way. No defense when all four of those guys have been on the field has covered us well. I think that's where our biggest way to exploit them is just going to be, especially if Dylan Johnson is banged up, it's like it's going to be pass, 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 Mm -hmm. pass, pass. Like, if we're going to lose, I want us to lose guns of blazing. Yeah, like I want us to lose, if we're going to do it, throwing the ball down the field, down their throats. But I think another key thing I was just looking at is both games Monday, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, there were no interceptions, mm-hmm. not a single interception. So I think that's a key to watch out for this game also. Is can Michigan intercept us? Can we, we intercept them? Then? Yeah, can we intercept them? Will it be fumbles or turnovers? And the thing is, is like we are not a very penalized team. I don't think Michigan's a very penalized team. So I don't think there'll be a lot of mistakes from either of these teams for yeah. good reason. They're in the national championship. Yeah. But who's going to make them? Somebody will. Yeah. You know? And it will be important. So I mean, you saw it in both games. Like their punt returner muffed a punt that led to a touchdown. Our our punt returner muffed a punt that led to a touchdown. Like yeah. special teams is gonna like their kicker. I think missed two field goals in the Rose Bowl. Our kicker made all three. Like I think it also will come down to special teams, a field position game. Are we gonna be able to? Are we gonna be able to punt it down and keep them inside the fifteen yard line and make them drive eighty five yards down the field? Yeah, and vice versa. Like we've proven over and over again, games that we can score in the blink of an eye they are going to have to score methodically yeah. with the run unless they break off a big run, which definitely can happen if you miss tackles on defense. So, yeah, it's got to be a good game. Like Micah said, it's going to be one of those games where 
it's going to come down to the last second because that's how every Washington game is, and that's what we know. Right at the last second. Hopefully, it's the last like four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it's kind of like the USC game where we're up three, and then we ha- get the ball and are able to drive down the field, score with like two minutes left, and go up ten, and then it's like okay, we can chill. Yeah. Or like the Oregon game. Yeah. But last thing, what? Do you have any score predictions or what you think the, the final tally is going to be? Oh, also, before you, before that happens, a random tidbit that I saw on Twitter today that proves to me that UW's going to win. Uh-huh. Is I that, like it. Is that there, in the college football playoff era, there have been three instances where the number one seed has faced the number two seed in the national championship game. And in those three instances, the number two seed is 3-0. Oh, three and oh, maybe. Three and oh, so How to be 4-0. About to be 4-0. Oh, we, so. we love those stats we love the stats big sample size there and once again like so before the score prediction i guess it kind of ties into it so we're we are currently michigan's favored by four and a half yeah or four four and a half it was four and a half. four and a half still so four and a half once again for the dogs underdogs the, the you know i don't know if we're the highest scoring offense i don't think we are but we definitely have the most passing yards, one of the most... Pro- I think we. It's, it's safe to say we're the best offense. Yeah. And Michigan hasn't played an offense anywhere near our production. Yeah. And they're favored. And so it's just, you know, it's just good. It's good, though. It's good stuff. I like it. I like the disrespect. It's yeah. not disrespect, considering, I mean, they're the number one team in the country. Obviously, they're going to be favored. Yeah. So, like, I'm not upset that they're favored whatsoever. But to think that it's, like... Oh, they're gonna win by more than a field goal. Like, yeah, no, it's, this is gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a one, two, three point game. I think so. So, so that if, ties if, into if you are gonna bet, we don't advertise or uh, condone <laughs> betting. But if you are gonna bet, and we're you want to bet, betters, and you want to bet on the spread, take Washington and the points because we're not losing by more than five points. That's yeah. for sure because we haven't lost by more than five points in almost two years. So, yeah. so I don't think I we're think... gonna start now. Over under is. 55 and a half if you want to factor that into your we're going over yeah well 55 yeah. so yeah we're going over we're going over we're going over 55 i'm thinking i was i sent this to you earlier i kind of have i got two thought trains one is like uw winning 31 to 30 mm-hmm. by one point there yeah. gonna be some weird points in there a lot of field goals, but some field goals potentially. Maybe I don't know. Maybe missed extra, mixed extra maybe point. missed extra point, or going for two and not getting it. Yeah, yeah, go for two, not get it. So thirty-one thirty, that'd be sixty-one points. Or I was thinking like similar to a lot of the games we played, which is like going to be thirty-eight, thirty-four, yeah, or something. <laughs> the amount of um, thirty-eight, the amount of games that we've played in the thirties is insane. <laughs> Looking at our so Oregon thirty-four, thirty-one. Utah 37 35 28 Oregon again 36 33 Arizona 31 Texas 37 31 the, all of the teams that we play who are the best we were in the 30s I think we're just built to score like 33 to 37 points yeah so I think my score prediction is going to be similar to yours I think we're going to put up 31 points I think Grady Gross is going to have a an important field goal in the second half to get us from 28 to 31 points. And I think we're going to give up either 27 or 28 points. So it's going to be a one score, either three point or four point game in the fourth quarter. And, or I could see it being like a lot of these games have been where it's like 31, 21 in the fourth quarter. We, you know, we, we go down, kick field goal to get, to go up 10 points and then 
they drive down the field, kick, get a touchdown. So now it's 28-31, you know. Yeah. I could easily see that happening again. And it's a three-point game with three minutes to left, and we have to bleed the clock down. And Yeah. I'm confident that if at the start of the fourth quarter, if we even are behind seven points, I'm confident we win the game. Yeah. If we go into the fourth quarter and we're down more than seven points, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, but I think that we are built for that moment and i think that that's we are built for this yeah (laughs) but i think that we do have an edge on michigan because we have played so many close games and we have found a way to win yeah and i think that's something that you can't overlook obviously jj mccarthy has been their starter for this year and i think most of last year if i'm not yeah mistaken so he's had 30 games under his belt but fun style he's the third most winning winningest college football quarterback really yeah third or fourth active yeah oh. no 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 and history really yeah that's wild yeah i guess i guess he was well, like, he's lost two games yeah and he's won 14 and games won this 20, year 27 games 27 games yeah so that's crazy seven two or whatever oh, like winning percentage wise maybe yeah like oh win, gotcha gotcha just, gotcha okay yeah win percentage but I think, yeah, in terms of keys to the game, Michael Penix has been in tight games, one-score games, his whole season long. And he knows what to do when the game's on the line. And I know that J.J. McCarthy and Michigan have been in close games, notably the, the Alabama game, notably you know, the, the Ohio State game was close. But for most of the season, they've kind of just been in blowouts. And so it's like, mm-hmm. if it's a close game, that's an instant, instant, edge instant for advantage for Washington. Edge. because that's just how we play the game and so anyways that's kind of our yeah our score predictions I'm ready though very excited we're recording i will not be in texas no i'll be watching on i don't know where i will be uh hopefully somewhere quiet yeah i will be uh at the game trying to keep my you know composure and not freak out <laughs> and it should be fun and we're recording this on a wednesday night so obviously if anything changes in between now in terms of potential injuries or updates. Or oh, I did whatever. see that DeBoer said that Dylan Johnson is going to play, which doesn't surprise me, but that guy's a tough guy. Yeah, guy's one tough ember effort right <laughs> there. Yeah, that's having him in the game, if nothing else, for just the decoy effect mm-hmm. is is huge because we want we, we need them to be able to respect. Can we just we give can... him like whatever Mahomes? Can we give yeah. college players like whatever the... Horse tranquilizer or whatever yeah. for his ankle? Yeah, Can we do probably. that in college football? I mean, I... Pretty sure they do. Yeah, yeah. we've had we've had guys this year Let's go into that. the locker room and get shot up and then throw back go back out like yeah. a quarter. What is it called? Like a cortisol shot? Yeah, yeah. Like whatever that. we need is we need that. Yeah, we need to give him that for seven days. <laughs> yeah, we just need to have a prayer circle around his around his foot yeah. to magically be healed. No, but I mean, he's a big player. He's an influential influential player. Like besides just running the ball, he's also like one of our best pass protectors. Like he just stuffs up the middle when yeah, they have, yeah. when they have guys blitzing, so he's big, big, big part of the offense. big part of the offense. So hoping he gets healthy and everything. But other than that, I think we're as healthy as we've been all year mm-hmm. going into this game. And I know Michigan lost one of their big linemen in the championship game. They didn't have him versus Alabama, and so they looked a little bit different. So that hopefully is something that we can exploit. Anyways, that's all, right. all. That's all for us. Looking forward to it. And uh, week eighteen NFL, not a lot to talk about. So we'll talk about. We're it we're in the mode of college. Yeah, we're in college football mode for the next five days, and yeah. then NFL will be relevant at some point. But, yeah. anyways, thank you for tuning in. This is the weekly warm up podcast. I am Noah Rankin, sitting next to Mikey Human, and uh, we appreciate everyone who's listening to this. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week.
Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.